2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 8, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place. For thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warmed him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of the men, these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now it's quite a bit of uh, scripture reading tonight, but it encompasses this entire event that is taking place here with the king of Syria and the king of Israel and, and they're hunting down a Elisha to kill him. I tell you, when I read this, I thought, man, this is great. I felt like I was at Carowinds. I just didn't know what to ride first. You know, I didn't, I'm like, man, this is great and this is great. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what, what all to do with all this passage, but here's how the Lord's kind of put it on my heart for this evening. I, as I, I kind of did a little underlining of my Bible and just a little note, notation of all the times that there is a reference to sight and to blindness. You see that? That's kind of a theme that pops up in this text over and over about about who can see and who can't see and, and opening of eyes and the blinding of eyes and all these things. And I, I think there are some lessons in this text, of course, for us tonight about uh, sight and about blindness and about what we are to see and how we are uh, to see. And so I want to uh, preach on this thought just for a moment.
moment tonight before we go home. Uh, the battles of the blind. The battles of the blind. Let's pray together and ask God to speak to our heart from His Word. Father, we love You. Thank You for this text. Thank You for the truth. There's so many truths and so many places we could just hold on to tonight and emphasize tonight and just look at tonight and get great help. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that You would help me to speak how You've laid it on my heart tonight. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the good testimonies. And I pray that You would just crown this day, Lord, with your, uh, with your word and Lord speaking to us from this text, just like uh, you want to do tonight. Get the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I, I was noticing some of the great themes that was in this text right here. I thought about, first of all, uh, we see something about our enemy's passion our enemy's passion in this text. That's how it starts. Do you see that in verse number 8? The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants. What you have is you have one king. He is in his uh, war room, if you will, with all of his chiefs and all of his captains and all uh, of his leaders. And, uh, and he is uh, trying to put together a strategy whereby they might be able to uh, take care of the nation of Israel. Israel is under attack again. And our text opens up with the enemies of Israel plotting against them. We're going to go to this place and we're going to set up right here and we're going to set an ambush right here and set a trap over here in this such and such a place. And can I tell you, when I read that, I was just reminded once again that as Christians, we have an enemy and he is plotting against us all the time. That's not paranoia. Uh, that is Bible. Isn't that right? Uh, the, Peter told us, be so Sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. It sounds like we we got somebody after us. Now I know many times Christians don't live like that. We live like everything's cool and everything's good in the neighborhood. But can I tell you, the truth is, you got an enemy that is after your home. He's after your marriage. He's after your life, and he is constantly strategizing and plotting against you how he can destroy you. The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. That's what he's looking to do. How many of you believe that we have an enemy that wants to devour us? That's just what we see right here. An enemy plotting. We see something about our enemy's passion. He lives to afflict the people of God. No doubt about it. But not only do we see our enemy's passion in this text, but then we see something about our God's protection. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to shake in our boots? We don't have to quiver. Or we, don't have to, we don't have to be afraid. I'm thankful greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And yes, at the gates of hell tonight, they are plotting against your demise, trying to destroy your home, trying to destroy your life, trying to destroy this church, trying to destroy your ministry. But can can I tell you something about the gates of hell? They will not prevail against the church. It don't matter what they're planning and what they're plotting there. Can I tell you, we have a God that has his people surrounded. Do you see that as well? There was a man of God that was warning them. That man of God just simply represents the word of God. He was the word of God for the people. And I'm glad we have a Bible that warns us of our enemy's devices. And we may not know everything about what he's doing, but we got a good idea, don't we? Listen, this Bible tells us everything that we need to know. And the enemy was frustrated because every time he went to set up here, Elisha knew exactly what was going on and he would warn them. Can I tell you, in fact, there's a word that's used here 
In this text, verse number 9, the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying, Beware, beware. Warnings. That's why I would say probably most of, most of preaching is warning. Isn't that right? Beware. People don't like that. But it's true. We need to be warned. We need to beware. We need to be reminded. Listen, we're not, this is a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. Amen. We got a devil. We got an enemy. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to destroy us. And I think it's the preacher's job to get up and, and tell you what the Word of God has to say about it and say, hey, beware. And the man of God told the king of Israel, said, listen, there's an ambush down there. there, there there's, a, there's a, an army down there. They're, they're hiding. They're trying to get you in that place right there. And the Bible says that in verse number 10, the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once or twice. Do you see that? Over and over again. Listen, the devil is plotting, but you do not have to be his victim. You do not have to be his prey. If you will take heed to the word of God, listen, you will be able to save yourself out of his plans and plots. Not just once, but how many can agree that, man, there's been multiple times the devil would have loved to have you, but God intervened on your behalf. No doubt about that. And then this young servant of Elisha finds out, hey, there's more with us than there are with them. You know why? They come and they surround the city. They're going to take Elisha. And Elisha's not nervous one bit. He gets up in the morning. He sees all the armies of Syria out there. And I about said cereal out there. But uh, he gets up in all, all the armies of Syria out there. And he looks. And you know what he's doing? He said, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Amen. He's fine with it. He looks around. Everything's good in the neighborhood. But that little, that little, young, uh, that little young servant that he has now, and uh, he's, he's brand new. He's green. You know, the old servant, uh, he's white <laughs> with leprosy. So this guy, he's green. All right, he's brand new. And uh, he, he, he don't know, I guess. He hadn't been through all of it altogether. And he's looking out and he said, Elijah, have you seen all it? They're out and the word is on the street. They're here to get you. They're coming to get us. What are we going to do? And Elijah says, eh, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Did you see all them armies out there? Did you see everything that's going on? Yeah, it'll be fine. How do you figure, Elisha? Well, the army we got is a lot bigger than the army they got. What army? And that's when he prayed, said, Lord, open the boy's eyes. Let him see. And when God gave him spiritual sight and he could see, man, isn't that amazing? He saw chariots of fire, not of iron, not of wood, not of brass, but chariots of fire all around. And, the, and God had his people surrounded. Can I tell you, if God could just open our eyes tonight and we could see what is going on, it would scare us in some senses, but I think in a lot of ways it would calm a lot of our fears and our anxieties. We're protected. Yes, we're plotted against, but we're protected. We're protected. And so there's a lesson about our enemy's passion and God's protection. And then there's a lesson about spiritual perception. And that's really the emphasis that is in this text. All the, all, the, all the times, and I want to just show you just a few of them here tonight. There's a focus on, on seeing what you're supposed to see and seeing how that you're supposed to see. You know, it seems like spiritual. And I'm not talking about 20-20 vision with your eyeballs. I'm talking about spiritual perception. 
Being able to see spiritually, not through the eyes of flesh, not through these carnal eyes, but, but through eyes of faith and see through the lens of the Word of God and see three things through the lens of the Spirit of God. And, and that is what's going on. It seems like uh, it's not very common in these days that everybody is just doing what's right in their own eyes. And that's the only eyes they ever use are their own eyes. These eyes of flesh. You know, Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 1, and he says something like this, and I'm kind of breaking into a sentence, and we're going to leave off the sentence because it's all one big sentence, it seems like. But he says, pray something like this, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that their eyes would be open. He's not talking about these eyes. He's talking about spiritual eyes so that you could see everything that you have in God, everything that you have in Christ, and you could see things spiritually. I'm also reminded of what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. You remember that scathing indictment against the Laodicean church when he told them that they were miserable and they were poor and they were naked. And one of the things he tells them is that they were blind. And he said, you're blind. And he wasn't talking about their physical eyes. He was talking about spiritually. They're miserable. And spiritually they're in poverty. And spiritually they are unclothed and uncovered. And spiritually they are blind. They have no spiritual sight. They are living in the natural and living in the carnal and living by the flesh instead of living by faith. And here's what he says. He said, I counsel thee by gold and all these things and he says this about their blindness. He said, anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. There are eyes of faith that we need, a spiritual perception. I'm reminded, I think about Moses in Hebrews 11, one, the, or Hebrews 11. The Bible talks about Moses in that hall of faith. And it says that he endured seeing him who was invisible. Mm, that's spiritual sight. You can see things that nobody else can see. And you can see things, and I'm not, I'm not talking about something spooky necessarily, and I'm not talking about something crazy. I'm talking, I'm talking about having eyes of faith and being able to see things as God sees them. A lot of times, the way you look at things with natural, sometimes you look at things with natural eyes, you think, yeah, we're all going to die. This is horrible. Yeah, we're going to die. This is it. This is the end. This is the end. The sky is falling. But man, you know what eyes of faith will do? Eyes of faith will let you realize, hey, you know what? God's got this. He's got it taken care of. And that's why Moses could endure. You know all the things Moses had to endure? I mean, all, the, all them people just complaining and murmuring and this and that all the time. How did he endure? Well, he wasn't looking at them. He saw somebody nobody else could see. He saw some. He had eyes of faith. He had spiritual perception. And he could see things. Paul said, open their eyes. Elisha prayed, open his eyes. Jesus told the church at Laodicea, you need your eyes open. You need your eyes fixed. I noticed just very quickly just a couple traits of somebody that's struggling with spiritual sight. They have blindness. And I, I want you to see a few things. There's several instances of it here in the text, and then we'll, we'll go home. All right, number one, can I say this? First of all, that those that are spiritually blind, first of all, they struggle with futility. 
They struggle with futility. I want you to notice this pagan king, this king of Syria. We're not given his name right here. Maybe it is Benadad who seems to be the king of Syria. But here we're just given his title, the king of Syria. He's a pagan man. He doesn't know God. He has no spiritual perception. He has no faith, anything like that. He's, he is merely and only operating, exclusively operating in the natural, exclusively operating in, in only what he can see and only what he can... He, he, he can he can uh, understand and, and, and what he can comprehend and what he can come up with in his own fleshly mind of his own experience and his own skill and his own wisdom. And here he is. And we find him in verse number 11. This is a man at his wit's end. He's absolutely frustrated. He's, he's, he's frustrated. And the reason he is is because everything that he's doing, it's not working. He's like, I know, listen, I know this little plan I got. I know this little ambush. I know this works. I tried it over here on somebody else. It worked just fine. I know this works. I'm a smart military. This king of Syria, he's a mighty man. He's got a mighty army. He's got a mighty nation. He's got a lot of things. He's done a lot. I mean, this is a man of war. This is a man of experience. This is a man of means. This is a man of might. This is a man of military power prowess and he looks around he says I know this works and every time he puts a plan together to get Israel it gets foiled they know it's like they know what's going to happen before it happens and it's because of Elisha but he don't understand all that and so he's in his war room and he says all right lock the door we're not letting anybody out I'm making some of this up and he says all right nobody's leaving this place until we find out who the rat is. He said, there's a mole in here. There's a rat in here. Somebody is going out and telling Israel everything that we come up with right here. That's the only explanation. That's the only way that we can explain how in the world these plans keep getting foiled. In fact, that is his that, that, that are, those, are, those are his words in verse number 11. He says, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Somebody in this broom is working for Israel. There's a double agent in here. And he says, somebody, and that's exactly what he says, ain't it? Look in verse number, he said, verse 11, will you not show me? Underline that, show me. He said, somebody show me. I can't see it. I can't see I don't know what's going on. Somebody show me what's going on. And he's so frustrated. He needs sight. He's operating in the natural. Elisha's over here operating in the supernatural. Elisha, somebody, and somebody tells him, it's Elisha. And he telleth the king of Israel, verse 12, the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber, in your bedroom, Elisha knows. And by the way, he didn't have a listening device. He didn't have some of that 007 stuff. Elisha didn't have... What did he have? He had God. He had spiritual sight. And when you have spiritual sight, you know what's going on and you can understand what's going on in the time. You know what the enemy's doing. You know exactly, you know exactly how he's operating, how he's working. And those that are operating in the flesh, they don't know. They're left scratching their head. They're frustrated all the time. And this man, he lives as king, as smart as he is and has, as experienced as he is and as mighty as he is. He's living in a spiritually dark world. He's like every law 
lost person just frustrated trying to figure out life and really the cry of every every person that tries to do it in their own strength the cry of them is eventually somebody show me somebody help me I can't figure this thing out and they get frustrated and he comes up with the only solution he can the only solution he's got is more striving more fighting more trying all right, let's crank up the band. Let's strike up the army. Let's go down to Israel. We're going to find this Elisha, and we're going to get him. Okay, hold on. Time out. If Elisha knows everything you're doing, then how in the world are you going to sneak up on Elisha? They're going to surround this whole city just for one guy, for Elisha. And I love, I love what he's doing because it says, look what it says. He says, uh, verse 13, and he said, go and spy we got to find him. we got to see him, where he is. That I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Verse 14. Therefore he sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And I love this, verse 14. It says, And they came by night. <laughs> We're going to sneak up on him. You're going to sneak up on the guy that knows everything that you're doing. Now, I ain't smart and everything. But that sounds pointless, doesn't it? That sounds like an exercise in futility. He's going to sneak up at night so he can take Elisha by surprise. Here, it don't matter if you come at night. It don't matter if you come during the day. Can I tell you something about Elisha? He was seeing through eyes of faith. He, he had spiritual perception about him. He was not blind to what was going on in the spiritual realm. Can I tell you something? Spiritual people can see in the dark. Did your mom ever tell you to eat carrots because it'll help you see in the dark? My mom tried everything she did. She could to try to get me to eat carrots. I never would. Night vision. You can see in the dark. How many of you eat like carrots? You eat a lot of carrots? Well, do you have night vision? I knew that was a lie. Parents lie. Next thing, you know, you're going to tell me the tooth fairy. Never mind. I ain't gonna get into that. I'm going to tell you something. Spiritual people can see in the dark. Can I tell you, we're living in a dark world. It's at night. Got to the only way that you'll make sense of life, the only way that you'll know what to do is if you got God's Word, if you got some spiritual eyes. Can I tell you, lost people, they're just groping around in the darkness. They don't know which way to go. They're trying everything. They're doing everything that they know to do, but they'll never have it figured out. They'll only get more frustrated. you got to have some spiritual eyes if you're going to make it through this world. And even save people that are trying to operate in the flesh and do things their own way and do things what makes sense to them. Listen, you're just as bad. Listen, you're groping around in the darkness trying to get it all figured out and you never will. You know what it is? It's futility is all it is. It's just emptiness. It's a waste of time. Spiritual people can see in the dark. Carnal people can't see in the broad daylight. They don't know what's going on. All this just seems like a big waste of time. And that's how carnal people live their lives, groping in the darkness, trying to figure things out. That's like Solomon. Solomon knew God, but that's how he lived. Eventually, that's how he was living his life. Well, maybe this will make me happy, and maybe this will make me happy, and maybe I can do this, and all this. And it's just like a blind man going from one object to the other, trying to figure out life. And, get, and you know what he eventually said? He said, it's all vanity. It's just vanity. It's just emptiness is all it is. It's just frustration. If you're going to have satisfaction, if you're going to have any success... In your life, you're going to have to see things the way that God sees things. You're going to have to have some spiritual perception, some eyes of faith. Not only do 
spiritually blind people do they struggle with futility, but spiritually blind people struggle with fear. Do you see that? This young man that's in Elisha's house, he has a sight problem as well. And, 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 and he, he could not see. Uh, he was protected and safe. And, and, and he was, no matter whether he could see the armies of God or not. He couldn't see the armies of God. He was still protected and safe just the same. Aren't you glad even when you don't have it all figured out, God's got, God's got you surrounded? Even when I'm not looking right, and even when I don't see things straight, I'm glad God still has me surrounded whether I can see it or not. Thank God for it. But, but, it does affect me. It does affect me. When I can't see, when I don't know, when I forget that God has it all taken care of, and I am looking through eyes of faith, can I tell you, my joy is gone. My courage is gone. And fear and worry and anxiety and all those things, it all floods my soul and floods my mind. Listen, your spiritual sight determines how you live in troubled times. It does. Sometimes the enemy has us surrounded, no doubt about that. He'll surround your home, he'll surround your life, he'll surround our church, and you can just feel his presence at times. You know he's trying to attack, you know he is, and if you don't watch it, you will be overwhelmed and overcome with fear and with worry and anxiety, and you'll lose all your joy, and it'll all go away, all because all you can see is the natural, you can't see the supernatural. The carnal servant... He panicked. He panicked. And can I tell you something? Anytime you're in a panic, it's because you can't see what you're supposed to see. Elisha didn't panic. What did Elisha do? Verse 17, I like this. And Elisha prayed. How about that? The young man panicked. The old man prayed. Said that he prayed. By the way, that's what you're supposed to do when you feel surrounded. Just pray. Say, God, help us to see that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Help us to see you don't have to pray that God would surround you. He's got you covered every single time. But God, help me see that you have it covered. Because when I can see that you have everything covered, there's a peace There is a serenity, there is a calmness that floods my soul. And if you see a brother or sister panicking, that's how you need to pray. You don't need to, listen, here's how you need to pray for them. Pray, God, open their eyes and let them see that you got this and that we're going to be all right. I tell you, man, that's been my prayer for our church even these days is God, open our eyes. God, let us see that it's okay and that you're, you're still in charge and that, that it doesn't matter how strong the enemy seems to be. He flexes his muscles and, and he, he, he tries to intimidate with all of his intimidating tactics. But can I tell you what we need? We don't need the enemy necessarily to go away. What we need is our eyes to be open and realize that God has us surrounded. And he is greater than whatever is threatening us. And you know. I can tell you what you're looking at. I know what I'm looking at by how I react when I feel the enemy closing in. When I get scared, I ain't looking at what I'm supposed to be looking at. I'm looking at temporary things. I'm, looking at, I'm not looking at eternal things. I'm not looking at spirit, 
spiritual things. I'm not looking with the eyes of, of the spiritual. Spiritually blind people struggle with futility. They struggle with fear. They struggle with following. Do you see that? Uh, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but, the, but, but these, these armies, Elijah prays. By the, Elisha prays. By the way, that's how you fight your battles. You pray. That's how Elisha fought his battles. He prayed. He prayed. Elisha didn't need an army, an earthly army. He had a God who had control of all the hosts of heaven. He is the Lord of hosts. And he just got a hold of that God and he prayed. He prays and he said, smite this people, I pray thee, verse 18, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And notice these people as they're blind, they became physically what they were spiritually, and that is blind. And when you are blind and you cannot see, you are more susceptible to follow voices that will lead you astray. And I understand it was Elisha, but it was a voice that led them astray. And here they are. They have Elisha surrounded, and God struck them with blindness according to the prayer of the man of God. And Elisha, verse 19, said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. He led them out of town. He led them all the way to a different city, and they couldn't see. They were following the voice of somebody who led them astray. And then when they got far away, Elisha said, All right, Lord, open their eyes. And they got looking around said, this is Samaria. Have you ever done done that? My mind wanders so bad. I know you can't believe that. I know I come across as an intensely focused individual, but I'm not. I can't remember what I was going to say. No, I'm just kidding. But have you ever done that? I'll drive. The worst for me is driving down the road. If I'm driving down the road, my mind is a million miles away from wherever I'm driving. And I will, I, I will drive, I'll literally just drive past my road. And I will keep driving, and I will keep driving, and I will keep driving while in my mind solving all the world's problems. Or thinking about sports or thinking about something else. It, don't, it, it may not even be spiritual things on my mind, but my mind is somewhere else. And I will eventually, sometimes I will come to myself and I will think, where am I at? What, what has happened? And it's almost scary. Like, I've been driving a vehicle that could kill people. And I have not even been aware of anything that I've been doing for the last... 90 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Not, it's not that long, normally. I, tur- I turn the little voice on my GPS, I turn it off. I hate for a woman to tell me what to do. It gets on my nerves. I cut it off. And so, <laughs> I miss a lot of turns. <laughs> I mean, a lot of turns. I'm always having to turn around. My kid's like, Daddy, where are we going? Shut up. <laughs> I mean, that's what Heather tells them. I wouldn't say that to them. <laughs> you know, anyway. Now I'll just drive and drive and drive. And all of a sudden, you know, it said 10 minutes to your destination. And all of a sudden, I'll come to myself and I look at my GPS and it says 47 minutes to your destination, you know. I'm thinking, okay, well, I've done something wrong here. Done something wrong. And that's what's going on. They just, no perception. And when you are, when you are 
blind and you cannot see spiritually, you will be led away by any voice that comes along. By the way, you cannot believe everything you hear. That's why you need some spiritual discernment and spiritual perception. There are a million voices in this world trying to lead you a million different ways. And if you can't see where you're going, if you don't have eyes of faith, you're going to be led away very, very easily. Isn't that right? You can't believe everything you hear. I think it was, wasn't it Isaac that was fooled by Jacob? Because he said, well, the voice, I mean, it sounds. Or, or it, you know, it feels like. He's, I mean, the voice, it sounds like. And, and, and he was deceived because he would not pay attention to the little alarms going off in his mind about, well, that doesn't sound right. But Isaac's eyes were what? They were dim. He couldn't see. He couldn't see. And it caused him to be deceived. When you can't see, you are susceptible to, de- to deception. And many people have realized too late. They finally come to themselves. They finally say, oh, man, oh, where am I at? And that's exactly what's going on here. People that are spiritually blind, they struggle with futility. They struggle with fear. They struggle with following. I'll give you one last one. I'm done. They struggle with forgiveness. I see that in the text. You see that? <clears throat> it says that... It says. Uh, <clears throat> And the king, verse 21, and the king of Israel. So, so we got the armies of Syria. We got them down here in Samaria. They're just now looking around, realizing we're in the, this is the perfect chance, right? If we're going to destroy Syria, this is the chance just to jump on, just to annihilate them. That's what you do in war, right? You kill the enemy. And so the king of Israel says to Elisha, verse 21, when he saw them, there's another reference to seeing, saw them, he said, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? It's time, to, it's time to kill them. Let's do it. But Look what Elisha says, verse 22. And he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. You know what? That king of Israel, the only thing he could see is, hey, this is an opportunity to get them. Elisha said, no. Can't you see what's going on? This is the same situation as if we would have taken them captive. You don't kill the POWs. You feed them. You give them aid. You give them, you give them comfort. That's, that's just the rules of engagement, the real rules of war. It's not ethical. It would not be uh, in integrity to just kill them in this shape that they are in right here, even though they seem vulnerable. Don't kill them, he said. Instead, I want you to feed them. I want you to feed them. And wouldn't you know what the Bible says in verse 23, that he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. Look what it says. So the bands of Syria came no no more into the land of Israel. There was a moment, there was a time, there was a period of peace amongst them. And it seemed like hospitality and kindness did more for the peace of Israel than bloodshed would have done. Bloodshed would have provoked more attacks. But can I tell you something about people that can't see spiritually? All, all they can see is opportunities for revenge. All they can see is opportunities for bloodshed, opportunities to get at somebody. Spiritual people can see the blessing and the peace that comes from forgiveness and mercy, treating your enemy better than what they deserve. 
Most people, they're blind to any option. They don't ever, it's like they don't ever even see that as an option. Like, you know what we could do? We could have mercy on them. We could show them mercy. We could forgive them. Carnal people never see that. The only thing they can ever see is get them. If you got an opportunity, get them back. If they did something to you, get back at them. Can I tell you, that's eyes of flesh. That's how man sees things. But if God ever gives you spiritual perception, you'll be able to see opportunities for forgiveness where, you know what, I could kill them, but I think I'll make them a casserole instead (laughs) and not put nothing bad in it. You know what, I, I could, I could get I could get on the Facebook and say something about them, but you know what? Maybe I'll pray for them instead. It takes spiritual perception to see that. Because by the way, I'm gonna be honest, that don't come natural to me. You know what comes natural to me? Get them back. Smite them. Hip and thigh. Just whoops. Just get them. That's what's natural. But if you're only operating in the natural, that's all you're ever going to see. But when you operate in the spiritual, you see opportunities for meals of mercy. Here's another one in meals of mercy. And by the way, that's the gospel right there. That's what God did for us. You know, what he, you know how he treated his enemies? With mercy. With mercy. And you know what, Miss Maddie, you can come around. I'm done. Do you know why? This king of Israel was blind to forgiveness. You know why he struggled with it? He struggled. He could not see an opportunity to give forgiveness because he was blind to the forgiveness he himself had received. That's why we're always blind to forgiveness. We're always blind to opportunities to show mercy because we are forgetful of the times that God has shown mercy to us every single time. It wasn't just a few chapters ago where this king was out in the middle of a wilderness with Jehoshaphat and the king of Moab, and they were in a wilderness, and they didn't have anything to drink, and they were all about to die right there at the hands of the whoever. It might have been the Syrians. I have to go back and look. But they were about to be destroyed. And what did God do? Miraculously, mercifully, God sent them water in the desert. Gave them help. And by the way, it wasn't because Elisha liked this king. He didn't like this guy. In fact, he told that king of Israel, said, I'm not even going to look at you. If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat being here, I wouldn't even have nothing to do with you. God had mercy on the king of Israel based on the merits of somebody else. Mm. That's the gospel, guys. Come on now. God had mercy. We're enemies. Should have been killed. But when you don't realize that God has been merciful to you and you, don't, and you can't see you're blind to forgiveness received, you'll always be blind. To get, you won't be able to give forgiveness. That's the parable that Jesus gave about the man who had the big debt. Remember? It was, the big debt was forgiven. And then that man who was forgiven the big debt, the large debt, had somebody that just owed him a couple bucks and he had that guy cast in prison. When you forget about how good God's been to you, 
and how merciful God has dealt with you, you won't ever see opportunities to be merciful to somebody else. Spiritualize when they're opened up, you'll always be able to see how good God's been to you. That's why a service like this, when we just start bragging on the Lord a little bit, you know what that takes? That takes some spiritualized. That takes, you got to get that old flesh out just a little bit and all the complaining and the murmuring and somebody did me wrong and somebody don't like me and this and that. I don't like them. And you got to get all that out so you can see, you know what? Hold on a second. Whoo, God's been good. Man, look, man, look at what God's been. Look at what God's done for me. Look at how God's been. And then when you finally see your enemy with those spiritual eyes, you think, come here, buddy. Let's have a meal together. He made them a great provision. That's what the Bible says. And let them go. Take spiritual, take spiritual eyes to see that. And I think just like Paul prayed, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes that we can see. Man, God... Give us some of that eye salve. He wasn't talking about go down to CVS or Walgreens. He's talking about get on your knees. Get with God. God, I need, I'm not seeing right. I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not seeing things right. That's why my life is just full of futility. I'm frustrated. That's why I got this bitterness in my heart towards other people. That's why I'm not going the right way and I'm led astray easily by all these voices. That's why I'm overcome with anxieties and fears and worry. And all that stuff. It's just because I'm not seeing things the way that I need to see things. God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. It's a great prayer, isn't it? I think the psalmist prayed, Lord, open, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, out of thy word. Open my eyes, God. Open my eyes. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we love you.